Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to a new season of the Raptors Over Everything podcast. My name is Emmett Mann, and clearly, I am not William Liu. Yeah, he's uh, he's gone. He's taken his talents to Sportsnet. And uh, just like the Raptors, we are also in a bit of a transition period. And again, just like the Toronto Raptors, we are going to do what Masai said that the Raptors are about to do, and they're going to build. So we are not taking our foot off the gas pedal when it comes to Raptors coverage. If Scotty Barnes gets a triple-double with like 10 rebounds, 10 blocks, and 10 points, we are going to cover it. If Joel Embiid scored zero points against the Raptors again, because that did happen, we will be covering it. If Masai pulls off a blockbuster trade at 3 a.m. because he just does stuff like that. We are going to cover it. We have a ton of great contributors that are going to help us out this season with our coverage, and we're going to be here all year. All right, so stick around, stick with us, and uh, let's get to the podcast. Joining me now is Amon from Dishes and Dimes. You guys know her, all right? She's been around the Raptors universe for so many years now, and there's no way to start then with her. How you doing? How's, how are things? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Are you uh, double vaxxed or are you pro? This is my choice. It's my body. It is my choice. It is my body, which is why I got double vaxxed as soon as I could. There you go. We're going to steer away from that subject very, very quickly, but it's good to hear that you're feeling good and all that kind of stuff. So with Amon, we're going to, well, this is first part of a two-part series where we're going to look at um, kind of the main players of the the Raptors and uh, kind of the players that are going to be most relevant. And then, you know, as we go through preseason, we'll look at some of the uh, guys, I guess, in the back end of the rotation, and we'll look at how they perform. But with Amon, though, we're going to look at Fred, uh, Goron, Trent, uh, Barnes, Malachi Flynn, and uh, Svi Mikhailik. I think I said that right? Mikhailik? I think so. I yeah. was practicing it yesterday. I'm, I, I'll get it, Svi. I'll get it by by opening day. Yeah, we'll get that uh, figured out real, real quick. But we'll start with Fred first. So um, with his season, it got obviously derailed, but at his peak, you know, at the moment where um, before he was kind of going to be an all-star, although if the Raptors were a little bit higher in the standings, and he kind of said this on media day too, that he would have been probably an all-star if they were a little bit higher. But um, I mean, they just decided to go small ball a little bit too late in the season. So at that point, they were fourth in the East. And um, afterwards, you know, he just what didn't make the cut. But at that point though, pre-COVID, he was averaging 20 points on uh, 40% shooting, 38% from three, and 6.8 assists. Afterwards, obviously, it things kind of took a turn. Yeah, things took a turn, right? He got COVID, and his numbers kind of dipped slowly. So I guess to start him on, like, what are your expectations for, for Fred this season? What are, what are the kind of things that you want to see him develop? Um, honestly, just continuation from where he was at last year. I think you, you pointed at it. He improved tremendously, honestly, in taking – Kyle Lowry took – a backseat last season and it seemed like it was the passing of the torch that we finally saw towards Fred Van Vliet and he stepped up as a playmaker in a way that I in all honesty didn't expect him to um yeah. and his mid-range shot 
truly did improve. And I think that you need, he needs to grow that portion of the, the, his game. He's still bottom of the league in terms of finishers, but that's just going to happen when you're someone of his size. Although he's fantastic in transition and if the Raptors are going to score at all, it's going to be in transition this year. Yeah, so yeah. Um, I, I think just a continuation of that mid-range shot, maybe even developing a floater. I don't know if he's going to have that just being the size that he's at, but um, just scoring more in that range um, along with his playmaking that has to continue because you are losing Kyle Lowry. Who's been this team's best playmaker and really just looking at it, the Raptors, are not going to project to have a very good half court offense, but if Fred VanVleet can take a step up in that direction, it truly does help and opens up so much for this team. That obligatory question came on media day where people asked, Hey, what did you improve on? And he did mention the floater. And if you recall, there was a commercial earlier on in the off season where uh, I mean, I forget who, who was with, but um, he was kind of just dribbling and doing his thing and everything that he was doing was he was taking floaters the entire time. And I felt like that was a message to everyone saying, Hey, I am working on this. Okay. You can stop asking me to develop a floater. I am working on it. It's in the works. And uh, he did. I have to see him get his shot blocked by another seven footer. I'm going to ask again. I'm sorry. I'm going to ask for it. But, but he goes in there with so much heart, right? He tries so damn hard, but I mean, you can't, uh, you can't really defeat six one, right? It is what it is. You can't really grow any taller, right? If there's a seven footer, there's a seven footer and you just have to heart seven feet tall. And you know what? Sometimes that's all. Oh man. It's, it's nine feet tall. It's 10 feet tall. That's what makes him so great. But um, it's stuff like that, right? We want to see him kind of develop um, his his shot closer to the basket. And uh, last season, um, different from previous seasons, like he was shooting like 18 feet. That was his average distance per, per shot. It was 18 feet. And uh, you want to get that a little bit closer. And he alluded to his field goal percentage being kind of low. I do, just like you said, I want to see him kind of develop um, a bit more of a pick and roll game. Like Ken Birch obviously is not uh, the previous center. And um, that should help quite a bit. Yeah, he can catch a ball. And also Ken's got a a sneaky upside when it comes to passing out of it too. He's uh, he knows where he has to be. And that's one of the things that Nick loves about Ken is that he's a really smart basketball player and he, he knows his limits and he works within them. And then um, when it comes to, you know, pick and roll, if, if Ken's driving and he's, uh, he's rolling to the bucket, then he's going to, he's going to try and make a bucket, obviously. But if it's not there, then he's okay with kicking it out to one of the three point shooters. And he knows exactly where they're going to be. And that's, a really strong asset, especially in this Nick Nurse, Nick Nurse offense. Um, I, I might say that he's a little bit too dependent on that high pick and roll. That's just me. That's just me. I would like to see a little bit more off ball movement, but it is what it is. And if you're going to have a big in that situation, he's obviously very important. And Kem has to be that guy for Fred. And uh, yeah, Fred has to just continue to uh, develop that ability to um, make that floater. That's going to be a huge difference maker for him. I would also point out when talking about that sort of pick and roll game and having Fred develop in that, right? Yeah. Siakam, Pascal Siakam right there. And the Raptors best offense, not last season. Cause they didn't run. We're going to toss last season out. If I say last season, I'm talking about the year before guys, but um, was Bye. that Pascal Siakam, Kyle Lowry pick and roll, especially in crunch time with either Pascal as a screener or Lowry as a screener. And we know that Fred can do that to me. In my opinion, I always thought that Fred and Siakam out there had better chemistry than like any of the other duos. So I don't, I, I think that that could be something that the Raptors see a lot because we know that it is so um, effective and Pascal Siakam is the perfect either screener or finisher. Where do you think he ranks league wide in terms of point guards? I've seen him around like the 17. I've seen him at 13. I've seen him at 15. And obviously we're like, there's not much of a difference between 17 and 13, but um, I don't know. I mean, I think, uh, I think people kind of look at 
a point guard because there aren't too many defensive point guards in the NBA that they kind of forget that side of things, how important it is and how, how great it is to have like the, your first line of defense is your best defender. So yeah. your opinion, where do you think he ranks league wide in terms of point guards? That's really tough. Um, I kind of, because, you know, when we do think of point guards, we think of a very sort of traditional playmaking guard. How does the half court offense work? And, you know, yeah. at the start of the, the conversation, we kind of talked about the Raptors half court offense not being all that great. And I do think that part of that does fall on Fred Van Vliet. What I would say is I look at point guards as tiers. Like if we're going to put him in a tier as opposed to like ranking all of the point guards, I don't think he's in the Kyle Lowry, Chris Paul tier. Yeah. But I think he's below that in the fringe all-star one. And as long as you're a fringe all-star, you're better than half of the starting point guards in the NBA. So he's, to me, in that top portion of it. Less than like the the elite, obviously, the Hall of Famers yeah. that I just named. But um, <laughs> still a, a fringe a fringe all-star. And um, if he can continue on that path for the Raptors, what, what else do you really want from Fred? That's a great question because people do have lofty expectations for him because he is... Uh, taking over for Kyle Lowry and to uh, touching on him. Um, what areas do you I'm think? Sorry, time out. If anyone thinks that Fred is going to fill Kyle Lowry's shoes, you... but that's the expectation. It always is. One place, like one Kawhi, person like OG exactly. is going to fill Kawhi's shoes. Is and that like that's just it, how it goes? Guys, Fans are crazy. Fair. You know but, what? Yeah, yeah, but I mean, just in the areas that Kyle, like he was so, I mean, advantageous to have on your lineup just because of, you know, the off court on court, his presence, what areas would you like to see kind of Fred pick up the slack? Once again, it would have to just be playmaking, just continuing in that. Yeah. Um, also getting to the line um, because once again, we're, we're talking about the half court offense here it just keeps coming back to that. Um, and the Raptors half court offense, hasn't been all that great in so many years, but you know what? DeMar DeRozan got to the line. Kawhi Leonard got to the line. Kyle Lowry in his, in his youth got to the line, um, <laughs> even did, you know, um, in that 2019, 2020 season, Lou will got to the line. And I think that like Fred Van Vliet needs to take that step in his game. Part of that is him getting the calls when he does drive. Cause he's, he's going to barrel into seven footers. We know it's going to happen and he's a very crafty finisher. So when it goes in, it looks really fun. Um, but I think he needs, needs to continue to get those calls to hopefully get to the line and, and get some more points that way. Anything else on Fred or should we mosey on? I'm excited for Fred Van Bleed. I want to say like, I, I think if we're expecting him to fill in Kyle Lowry's shoes, we're, we're setting him up for failure. But I think he's a different player than Kyle and brings yeah. in different things than Kyle Lowry that can also be celebrated. So he's not going to fill in Kyle Lowry's shoes, but I, I think the Raptors as a whole are going to have to kind of mask what they lose in, in losing Kyle Lowry, but Fred Van Vliet has his own skill set that Kyle couldn't even bring. And so I think that needs to be celebrated as well. Um, I'm excited for him. I think he's going to be um, a fringe all-star depending on how the Raptors perform. Everyone needs a Fred Van Vliet in their lives. Like he is like your, your therapist friend, right? Because he's going to give you that different perspective and just a different outlook on life. And I find myself sometimes, like, especially with Messiah as well, like with those yeah. two guys, sometimes you just get so captivated by what they're saying because they are so intelligent. They are so grounded that you kind of just get like, wait, what was the question? What was he talking about? Cause you're just like, you're feeding in the knowledge. Like give me the knowledge because I could use this, this wisdom. Um, I'm excited for him to on the defensive floor, uh, defensive side of things too, because he's already so great at that side One of, of things. 
means that he's better at Kyle then, you know? Yeah, exactly. And um, with so much more size on this roster, maybe not seven footers necessarily, but we do know there are six, eight guys, six, nine guys. Um, and with Fred being such a heady player already, I want to see him take more risks. And not that he doesn't, doesn't already, but I want to see him continue to, you know, do those like spontaneous doubles in the corner, um, try and poke a ball at people, right? Like he can do that stuff probably more so with this roster because they're going to be better equipped to handle um, those kind of situations and recover in ways that probably last year's roster really wasn't. And yeah. I mean, it's, it really is like a much, oh much God. better roster compared to Everyone last season. Everyone needs to and protect the ball playing against the Raptors. My goodness. It's going to be insane. Like imagine- Brad's like got the go- shortest wingspan and he's the most, he's the one most likely to actually poke the ball out. Oh, I was picturing fun. a scenario where like a person is being guarded by OG and then they get switched on to Scotty Barnes and then they get switched on to Pascal Siakam. Like we're going to talk about some of those guys in the, uh, in tomorrow's episode, but yeah. like, that seems like a nightmare. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> like I'm excited for the Raptors defense. I'm so excited for it. Like their offense, <laughs> we're, they're going to be days where we struggle guys, but, but that yeah. defense. <laughs> Um, let's move on to, uh, I guess, public enemy number one, Goran Dragic, right? I mean, I don't know where things are now with Raptor fans. If anyone doesn't know, there were some comments that he made to uh, a paper uh, out in Europe and it got translated. And um, pretty much what he said is that he had higher ambitions than being a Toronto Raptor because he wants to compete for a championship. And when he said that, I'm sure there are Raptor fans who had ambitions to strangle uh, Goran Dragic for saying something like that because you can't not want to be a Raptor. Raptor pride, Raptor culture, right? It's not just heat culture. There's Raptor culture as well. Um, but where are you with that now? Like, are you, are you, are you excited to have Goran Dragic on the roster? I was surprised they gave him the address to the Air Canada Center. I'm surprised he found his way there. I'm kidding. Um, I like that you uh, said Air Canada Center too. It's not Scotiabank. It's Air Canada. Oh, I forgot. I didn't even realize I said that wrong. See? Nah, no, See? it's Air Canada. You're Center. mentally suppressing it because you know what's best. <laughs> um no I you know what here's the thing being a fan I think should be fun and I think that means hyperbolic takes that means exaggerating your love and you know your hate for certain players but as soon as he suits up and puts on a Raptors jersey he's a part of the team he's a part of Raptors culture and and everything here so I think fans at that point celebrate him I also think he's going to be really good for the Raptors and I think he's going to be an important contributor for the Raptors as well so I think the fans that are kind of holding out a little bit are going to see him play and it's hard not to fall in love with a a gritty hard-nosed guy who goes all out for the team. It's kind of why we fell in love with Kyle Lowry in the first place um, Mm -hmm. is because Kyle was taking charges, diving for loose balls and playing really hard. And that's something that Goran Dragic brings as well. We're also going to need him as not only his veteran leadership, but also his play on the court. He's not bad. (laughs) He's going to contribute to this team. Um, So I think once he puts on a jersey and starts playing for the team, if you're still holding a grudge, get over it. But for right now, it's the off season. Nobody cares. Have fun with it. He's already doing some good PR already, right? We've seen him around the city, hanging out with teammates. Everyone's just speaking like all kinds of praise about him. Chris Boucher mentioned yesterday that like, you know, he's been a terrific teammate. Uh, Nick Nurse said he's been a pro like from the get-go and he's he's been all about winning and um, helping develop players. And uh, actually Goran the other day said that he wants to be what Steve Nash was for him in Phoenix to some of these young guys. That was great PR. Oh, that was amazing. Like I'm going to pick the Canadian. Smart. Very smart. That was very smart. It was very well done. 
Um, he's been well, well, well prepared to become our Toronto Raptor. circle. We got Kyle Lowry yeah. after failing to get Steve Nash <laughs> trade Kyle Lowry for the guy who brings up Steve Nash. It was, it was perfect yeah. PR. Speaking of PR, how about that? Number seven, you see what he did there? Look See, he won me over. He won yeah. me over. He he's like, you know what? I'm gonna take number one. Cause like Jeremy Lin, I love you, but I was like, like, notice how his body is not even cold. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> what are we doing here? But um, no, he knew he knew what he was doing. I, I think that fans are really going to love Goron. It's yeah, just yeah. it's the off season. No one else has anything else to talk about. So finally, we do have some other things to talk about. It, it is kind of like with Raptor fans, like in elementary school, you know, if you got into a fight with a person, but then um next day teachers are like you guys are going to be group group partners you guys are going to do a project together you have to kind of bury the hatchet and just move on with things and then maybe as you learn about the person things you really eh, this guy's not so bad or this guy or gal isn't so bad and that's a bit of that with the raptors i'm sure they're gonna he's gonna win them over no question about it because 100%. um he just offers so much for this roster yeah he offers too much to this roster and you talk about some of the things that he does offer i mean he's like he's great in the pick and roll uh, he's a great cutter he's a willing passer he's a he, he'll push the ball in transition he's a great corner three-point shooter 51 percent last year that's not bad okay and uh, we all know how much how important that uh, three-point shot is especially in the corner three so um, i'm excited for what he's going to offer this roster and uh yeah what do you think what do you think what's um what are some of the things that you want to see from goron this year I mean, all of the things that you just named, I think the one thing that I'm kind of holding out for is like, is he going to be a Raptor beyond the deadline? Like, I wonder how that, like what, what is actually yeah. going to happen with just the fun stuff about on the court, honestly, on the court, I think we know we, what we're going to get from Goran Dragic. He's also 35. You're not going to get the same guy that he, he was 10 years ago, but his veteran leadership, like you said, he's still a great finisher. He's, he's still a great three-point shooter mm -hmm. and he just plays really hard out there. I just, I'm, I'm excited for Goran. I think he's exactly what the Raptors need. Um, and yeah. I mean, Jimmy Butler loves him. So if Jimmy Butler loves you, then there must be something to you, right? <laughs> One would think. That's true. That is absolutely true. Um, yeah, so you don't think he's going to be a Raptor past this deadline? Is that is that what I'm hearing? What do you think? Mark Stein had reported that uh, the Raptors are expecting there to be better suitors as they go on in the season, obviously because he's going to play great and things will probably make a turn. And then you know, Dallas Clippers teams like that could probably use someone with his skill set. So what was your what was what's your prediction for for him? Well, I think what we've learned from Masai Ujiri is he's not willing to do a trade to do anyone else a favor. If he doesn't come out feeling like God he's coming out on top, then he's probably not going to make the deal. Um, but I, I, I think just I think there are like tax reasons or something where the Raptors are. Yeah. I haven't even looked at it, but where the Raptors are probably not going to keep Goron. Um, but maybe they make a run. Maybe maybe the Raptors come out scorching hot. And maybe, maybe they're a top four team and maybe you need to, to, to make the playoff. Run. I don't know. This, this season feels so exciting because we don't know. You literally don't know. Yeah. We it's don't the know. First year that you're just like, I, I don't, I don't yeah. know. Anything could really happen. And a lot of it is about, you know, when Pascal Siakam comes back, a lot of it is also just expecting growth in players um, and figuring out what this team looks like without Kyle Lowry. Cause the numbers show they're actually pretty good without Kyle Lowry erasing mm -hmm. the tank. Um, but they had Marcus Gasol who is Kyle Lowry. Like I was looking through it. Cause um, that 2018, 2019 season and 2019, 2020, 2019, 2020, the year Kawhi left. Um, 
Mm. The Raptors had a really like a I think they were like lost a single game without Kyle or something like that. And I was looking through it and I'm like, oh, yeah, well, I'm sorry. But the best lineups were Marcus and everybody else. It was literally having that. And so not having both Kyle and Marcus giving the keys fully to Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet and expecting and seeing what they do, seeing the growth emoji, which I'm sure we're going to talk about. All (laughs) of it is up in the air. So what this team looks like is completely up in the air. I have no predictions for any of it. Yeah, yeah. Nick Nurse has been asked like nonstop about that because he's been very open that I'm, you know, he's following the rankings. And uh, I think he had mentioned with ESPN that they had jumped from 21st to 19th. He's like, Hey, we're making progress. Um, yeah. I think he's like sneakily, I, he's not going to say, it, but I think he is actually more optimistic than probably he's leading on about the roster and what they're going to be able to accomplish. You mentioned earlier, the half court offense, that's what it's going to be going to come down to and uh, how they're going to be able to execute in the, in the half court. And that's where, you know, Goran Dragic is going to be able to help quite a bit. One question we do have to address, though, and we're going to talk about Gary Trent in a second. But um, yeah, who do you think? Actually, let's start. Let's let's move on to Gary Trent. Let's talk about Gary, and then we'll ask about uh, who should be the starter between them two. So just with Gary, um, the vibes were incredible right from the get-go with Gary. He comes to Florida, I suppose. And let's just like run it down because I wrote down all the great things that he did because it's important that we all know. So hit a game winner against Washington. He had a career high 44 points versus the Cavs and shot 17 of 19. He entered the arena with a Jays jersey. Then he followed it up with retro short, retro Raptor shorts. Then this is maybe the best thing that he did when OG for some reason suplexed Dennis Schroeder, who was the person that defended OG? It was Gary Trent Jr. That and that was like a, that's like two months, right? That's a lot of high quality highlights that he has offered us already. And then, of course, the Raptors re-signed him uh, three years with a base salary of uh, sixteen million in each year. Yes, there is a player option in the final year. People get over it. He's a good player. That's why good players get that option because they're talented and they earn that right. Um, yeah, Gary, what what impressed you about Gary? last season or what didn't you what didn't you know about him that you learned and you thought wow that's pretty impressive that he can do that honestly it was his shot making um we did see the numbers go down after coming back from an injury but you just listed it off the 44 points the game winner it was his shot making his three-point shooting is going to be something that the Raptors desperately need Mm -hmm. um and I'm excited and his his shot creation um is something that the Raptors don't really have too much of from other places now Gary is very similar to Norman Powell in that um, he's not going to rack it up with assists. He's not going to rack it up with with rebounds. And he's not going to be doing all that for you. But he is going to score. And the Raptors do kind of need a bucket getter. They need someone. um, And I think he's going to play that Norman Powell role um, where – we're probably going to get into it a little bit. I'm probably jumping ahead, but um, I, to me, it, it's, it's shot making. It's his yeah. three point shooting. Um, he's going to need to improve defensively, but I think the Raptors can show that they do that. Um, you know, develop that. And what he showed me in the bubble at the very least back when he was a blazer is that he has the ability to be, you have to remember like on the blazers and granted, this is a backcourt with Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, not known for the defensive chops, but he was considered their lockdown defender on the perimeter um, and and a guard spot. And he was, he was absolutely fantastic for them. And I think that we haven't seen that as a Raptor, but I do think that his defensive ability is something that we've seen once at one point, and yeah. I think can come back, um, especially with Nick Nurse coaching. And his three-point shooting is something that the Raptors need. And probably some stability 
right? Because he, he, he came onto the roster last year and there was a lot of change happening. And then um, they were competing for a little while. And then all of a sudden they're just like, let's not win games anymore. And so who are the players that he was playing with? It was like DeAndre Bembry. It was Stanley Johnson, Malachi, although Malachi is great. We're going to talk about it in a second. Uh, Yuta, Aaron Baines. I can't believe that was actually a roster that we, we, we threw out there on the court, but um, that affects things. Right. But just so everyone is clear and they have some of the numbers in front of them. Um, 53% of his shots came from two last season with Toronto and it was 42% with Portland and his catch and shoot percentage from three went down to 33% with Toronto. And it was at 40 uh, with the Blazers last season. So those are some things that we can kind of look at as um, his catch and shoot probably will improve a little bit. And that's yeah. a category that we need him to. He might still need to create for himself a little bit, just looking at this roster, especially in some of the lineups. So we're still going to need him to, to improve. No question. That yeah. Yeah. No question. And it was cool to see him kind of develop that part. I think yeah. uh, one thing that came, comes to mind is I remember uh, Pascal, after he had uh, his uh, 44 against the Cavs, he said that, th- that he's a tough shot maker. And the Raptors haven't had a lot of tough shot makers, you know, and um, over the past, you know, three, four years, a Kawhi obviously comes to mind, but having a dude who can kind of get their bucket and hit a few, sh- hit a few shots for you, they were just like, oh, I didn't realize we're going to get that. That could be, you know, four five, six, eight points within a game. And that matters. That is really, really crucial. So I want to continue to see him um, develop that part of his game. I want to continue to see him kind of develop that driving game. And I know he wants that uh, looking at some of the runs because that's all we do in the off season. We're looking at YouTube videos of uh, players playing basketball. And uh, that was a huge part of what he was doing. He was leading in transition. He was driving the bucket. He was using his handle to get to the bucket. And I want to see him keep on doing that. One thing that does come to mind and I'm not sure if Nick Nurse is going to want to do this because he likes to be a little bit particular sometimes with who's going to have like the lead ball handling role. But I mean, maybe in this new this new phase we're heading into, maybe it's a little bit different. But I want to see Gary handle the ball more a little bit, a little bit, because I think having a player like him at the top of the key with a t- quick trigger can really kind of diversify uh, the offense and uh, give them some more options when it comes to you know bringing that big right up to right up to the level right and now you got to make the big kind of move a little bit more you could have some off ball actions um, going on behind you and then in just in that way like we don't have a lot of players who can get the ball in the bucket that quickly when it comes to their jump shot like Gary can like mm-hmm. I mean Fred's a bit of a slow has a slow release Pascal does OG does bless all their hearts, but they can't get a shot off in like a a split second, like Gary can, and he can make it too. So that's one thing that I'm excited to see. I want to see him develop that part of his game. And I want to see the Raptors use his shot making ability as a threat. Yeah. I, we put the ball in his hands. No one else is going to see it. I'm sorry. (laughs) He's got the Chris Boucher or the Kobe Bryant. Like It's one or the other. You put the ball in his hands and that is going at the rim every single time. Give me five possessions. I'm putting up 10, but give me five possessions. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Five possessions of that kind of stuff. And let's just see what happens. Let's just see. Let's see him develop that part. I mean, he's 22 years old. He's younger than Malachi Flynn. Yeah. Right. Only by six months or something like that. So he's going to be around for a while, I would think. And there's a lot of room to to get downhill some more. That's what I want to see. Get to the rim. He's like that size. Like there's. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what the next step in his game is because he's still so young. I think he wants it too, right? He wants to improve and become more of a, a driver and yeah. not just a jump and that's shooter. And, that Norm had that he did not, that he doesn't. Yeah. And 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 if he has that, that's gonna raise the ceiling of the Raptors to me because that yeah. just makes them like another person who can get in the paint. They don't have they have guys who can do it kind of well, but not amazing. Yeah. Like Pascal can do it, and I'm sure he'll have a better uh, better opportunity to do that more consistently mm-hmm. this season with an improved roster, better shooters, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but having someone else who can do that, it's really really you vital. Cut. Like, what are you doing when you're not just when the exactly. ball is in your hands and you're putting up a shot? What else are you giving us? And I I think that he's young. Um, yeah. So I, I expect it to develop, but um, that's what I'm really going to be looking for. Just watching him off ball to see what he's actually doing. Are you moving around? Are you trying to cut? Are you, if you do have the ball in your hands, you play making, or is that going up? <laughs> are um, you looking for the good shot or are you taking it? Who should start Gary or Drogic? I think Gary probably should be your initial starter. Um, but I yeah. do think that it's all matchup based. Right. Um, it's kind of something that Nick Nurse has been very comfortable doing. We saw it with Jonas Valanciunas and Serge Ibaka. Um, we saw it even with like Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi were at one point considered interchangeable in that championship mm-hmm. season to start the year. And then it was like, oh, no, Pascal is the most improved player and is most definitely your starter, your number two scoring option. But Nick Nurse has been very flexible with just being like the starting lineup is going to be the starting lineup based on game days. And I think that that's what we're going to see. But I, I kind of, I kind of think that Goron, unless he steals it from Gary um, yeah. is going to be coming off the bench. And I also, like you said about Gary Trent, just looking at the people that he played with um, towards the end of the season, he's very similar to Norman Powell in that because he like, you want him to play alongside other playmakers. You want him mm-hmm. to play alongside all their great defenders, right? Um yeah to sort of mask his own deficiencies. And I think that having better IQ on the court with him um, stops him from maybe making some plays that you would rather he didn't make. So um, I think that Goran, his leadership, his veteran presence on the bench, helping that bench mob would be really great. And depending on the game, I think you can switch it up, but I'd probably start Gary and, and bring Goran off the bench. 
I think I'm with you. And uh, Drogic did uh, allude to preferring to come off the bench. I think he's just a little bit more comfortable in that role. And um, the way you could help out Malachi Flynn, like that could be really, really crucial because that second yeah. unit is going to be important this year. Um, last season, it was like a rotating, <laughs> a bunch of rotating players, just guys coming in and out um, because some guys were performing for five games, then they'd stop. And um, having like five guys coming off the bench who are going to be kind of your anchors and they're going to be consistent and they're going to win their minutes is really crucial. And mm-hmm. Drogic is going to help in that category. He's going to do that. Um, I would love to see Goran even like do more um, off ball stuff. Like in, in Miami, a lot of his scoring was coming off of off ball actions where he'd be rolling the bucket because he is a willing cutter and stuff like that kind of fuels your offense, right? It gets the ball moving and um, that could be really crucial for, for Malachi, right? And uh, having a, an elite shooter like Gary out there could be great. And I want to see Fred be able to be point guard. And that means um, he can't be running around all the time, you know? Good point. Yeah, I want to see him be able to be point guard. And, you know, Gary's 22, like we talked about. He can run. You can do it. Yeah. So I want to see him do that. Let's um, let's shift to Scotty Barnes. Mm-hmm. The vibes around him have been incredible. Another player that have just been <laughs> just exceeding expectations, and he hasn't even played much of it, many games with us. Uh, Summer League was obviously his only stint so far, and we're going to see some preseason games very soon. But um, compared to, I guess, when he was drafted, how much more comfortable on a scale of 1 to 10 are you with Scotty Barnes being the draft pick for the Raptors um, versus then? Someone who does not think that they're smarter than Masai Ujiri or Bobby Webster or the Raptors brass, I was always confident with the pick. Um, I've always been confident with the pick because I trust them. And then you learn more about Scotty and also just like watching Scotty play and listening to some other people talk about Scotty Barnes. Um, William Liu had David Thorpe on his podcast, who is huge um, on on Scotty and actually I think had him like second overall or something in this draft. Um, But Bobby Webster said something that I thought was really important, which is they're not drafting for fit because fit today does not mean, does not equate to fit in five years, right? You can't really be planning for that. So they're, and when they pick best player available, best player available is not the best player today, but who they project to be the best player long-term. And if you look at a Scotty Barnes, like the Raptors are all six, nine players with like 12 feet wingspans who are, are massive and can defend. <laughs> and if you see a picture of him standing next to OG Ananobi, you're like, Oh, geez, like the strongest man I know, but yeah. Scotty looks stronger than him. There is no way that you could look at Scotty Barnes and think this is not a Masai Ujiri pick. It yeah. makes the most sense. So like since the pick has happened, all I've been thinking about is like, duh, why did anyone think anything otherwise? But um, yeah, I, I don't feel any more confident in it because I was always very confident in what the Raptors decide to do. That should be the answer because there are many people. <laughs> I, we saw it on Twitter, right? On draft night, they're just like, what are they doing? Jalen Suggs oh, is a guy. I Johnny hit. And you just got to put faith in. And it's not like they reached that much. Like he was going to go fifth then, <laughs> right? Ooh. So like, what's what's wrong with that? Oh, yeah. Uh, I you mean, still see people say it. But I think that Scotty's won the fan base over. And also just look like. Like, I've seen pictures of him next to OG Ananobi and it's literally blowing my mind. Also thinking about, thinking oh about what gosh. this team will be like defensively is so exciting. And that's going to be something that exists for years to come. And also just watching Scotty in preseason and uh, not preseason, but summer league yeah, and yeah. seeing that he does kind of have offensive chops that I didn't actually hear about because I I'm going to be honest don't watch much college basketball came into this knowing very little about all of the players but watching that's in cool. summer league I was impressed I yeah. was impressed with what I saw 
And Samaliki averaged 15 points on 41% shooting, 27% from three. Ah, he's working on it. Seven rebounds, <laughs> one steal, two blocks. Right. Yeah. So we're seeing the tools just with a player like him, like ah, that wingspan, that athleticism. Like, I don't think he's really going to have to try. He's yeah. not rookie. He's not rookie thin. No, not at all. He's NBA ready. And what I love about him is that he's already such a really smart, like his basketball IQ already is off the charts. And, and Nick Nurse talked about it already that he thinks Scotty's going to play a lot. And it's not yeah. just going to be because he was a fourth overall pick. It's going to be because they need him because yeah. he's that versatile. And I think he like Scotty, I mean, Jesus, Masai, what does he talk about all the time? Win, let's win. And he found a a kid who wants to do the exact same thing and he's willing to be the fifth option on the court. And he might be in some cases, obviously they want to give him reps. They want to help him develop his offense because that is an area that's going to be the difference maker for him, right? He's already got the defensive chops and the uh, physical tools, but him adding that offensive game is really, really crucial to his development, but the mm -hmm. Raptors also want to win and Scotty wants to win. So I think Scotty is going to be much very willing to kind of shelve his offense a little bit and just be a guy who gets offensive rebounds, who cuts, who runs in transition. And if he's playing like 20 minutes a game or something like that, he's going to get 10 points just by doing that yeah. because he has those tools already. And that's going to be really, really exciting to see uh, right from the get-go because the player coming off the bench who's giving 10 points-ish, maybe, right? That would be, I mean, it's a difference maker. They didn't have that last season either. I just want people to also temper their expectations in the same way we're talking about Fred Van Vliet taking over for Kyle Lowry and OG taking over for Kawhi and Pascal making another most improved player leap. Um, I think people kind of want the same thing from Scotty, but I just, if he, if he is like, if he is a solid part of your rotation, like we expect him to be um, and he is playing, if he can stay healthy all season, knock on wood and he can play solid rotation minutes, then he's had a successful rookie season. Um, and I, I like hope that people understand that his being picked at the spot that he was isn't necessarily saying that he's going to be a superstar right away and right out the gate. I do think that he's probably someone offensively that we're going to have to have develop a little bit, but I do see that coming from him. Like it's, like I said, I was really impressed in summer league. Um, so I want people to temper their expectations, but still be really excited for him. Cause I think he'll be good out the gate. And that says a lot when you're a rookie, especially if you're good defensively out the gate. No question. I think of uh, OG in his rookie year, right? He started yeah, 62 games and it was, he did that because not all, it was need because it didn't have too many uh, great small forwards at the time, but it was because he wasn't going to bother them. He wasn't going to be um, a detriment on the court because he knew his role. He knew what he had to do, play defense, rebound the ball, hit shots, and you're going to be helping us quite a bit. And Scotty's going to be like, I got it. I can do that for you. No problem, coach. And that's what you got to love about him. The vibes have been incredible already, right? Goran's already said that he's been the player who's impressed him the most because of how excited he is, his energy, um, how eager he is to improve game in, game yeah. out. And you talk about that jump shot. He's working on it. We know he is. And I would, I have no doubt that by the season's end, that is going to be at a different stage and he's going to be at a much more comfortable level, um, taking three point shots and making them and catch and shoots, all that kind of stuff. He's going to be much more. Yeah. He's going to be much, uh, much better spot. Let's move on to, to Malachi, or as you might say, Red Van Vliet, our boy. <laughs> um, <laughs> we talked about summer league. How did you uh, feel about his summer league? I was really impressed in that first game. I was very, yeah. very impressed with him in that first game. And I thought um, in the subsequent games that the Raptors very smartly 
Um, moved away from from Malachi. We saw what we needed to see from him, and now it's time to feature some of the other guys, Delano's and, and the Scotties. Um, but I was very impressed with him. I'm excited to see what he does when he comes back. We've talked about the Raptors' half-court offense at nauseum at this point. He's mm-hmm. the best pick-and-roll creator on the team. He's going to be very important. His role for the Raptors is going to be to lead that bench mob. We've talked about the Raptors' bench. Here's the thing. The Raptors have not actually had a good bench since DeMar DeRozan's last year here, since the bench mob when it was mm. Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam and CJ Miles and, and that that iteration of the team. And I think they're not going to be bench mob, <laughs> but they're going to be... Um, we're starting to see it form out again. We're starting to see Red Van Vliet or um, <laughs> Malachi Flynn leading the charge. We're going to have the veteran presence with Goran Dragic. You're yeah. going to have... Scotty as kind of that high energy guy who is going to leak out similar to Siakam leaking out. And I think get a lot of, get a lot of stops as well on the other end to initiate that transition offense. You're going to have a lot of the similar pieces to what you had in the bench mob previously. And that all starts and ends with Red Van Vliet. He's going to be the one leading the charge there. Um, he posted a photo the other day of uh, just from like one of those media day photos, you know, stiff, hold the basketball. And Kyle commented and he said, um, you must have put some dye in that fro because <laughs> it was a little bit darker. It was dark. <laughs> Kyle, stop it. Stop toying with my heart. Just come back. I was, right, um, I was right. looking at the roster and I was like, you're actually going to be really good. I was going through yeah. it and I was like, oh my goodness. And, I was, and then I realized that I had slotted Kyle Lowry <laughs> <laughs> as I was going through subconscious, the right? The subconscious. And I was like, oh yeah, like I was just like going through the list. Guy was always been there, right? So I was like going through yeah. the starting lineup in the bench. And I was like, oh, I have to shift this all over now to find out who the starting two is. Because Fred yeah. is the starting one. Like exactly. I was like, oh, this is all out the window, Kyle. I miss you. How'd you feel about uh, that image of him in that heat jersey? Yeah, no, it's it's burned, it's blocked out. I I block out toxic images that I do not want to <laughs> see. On media day, I asked uh, Bobby because he was just kind of standing around, right, watching all the pressers. And I asked him, like, what do you what do you think? Because I showed him a photo of Kyle in a heat jersey. He's like, oh, he looks good. Um, bit of a tan on him. Must been must be golfing a lot. And I'm like, yeah, probably. He probably is golfing quite a bit because that's yeah, that's uh, that's <laughs> Kyle's way. Um, you had talked about a lot of the things that I had actually wanted to, to discuss as well is, um, you know, he had such a turbulent year last year because of. COVID and uh, the nature of the season. And so the travel that he had to do, uh, going down to the G League, coming back, um, the inconsistent minutes that he had to deal with. But in that final month where he was playing, I had it written down here, and he had a a great month, right? He won Eastern Conference Player of the Month. Um, He was averaging, um, it was around 12 points, four rebounds, four assists, a couple of steals, right? That's, That's pretty damn good. And his three-point shot was a little bit up and down, but as you had mentioned, in, in summer league, he hit around 41% of those shots, and so he's been working on it. I just love his offensive game. I think there's a lot of room for him. Um, he struggled a little bit, admittedly, and he talked about this too, and Kyle mentioned that he's talked to Malachi about this as well. I'm talking last season, that he has to pick his spots a little bit better, that he was so forceful with his offense, and sometimes it's about you know go through the offense, go through the motions, especially with the players that he was playing with. He was going to get the ball back because... Yeah. Those guys are not going to go one-on-one and then do your thing. But like 
give everyone a chance, get them ball moving because you can get a really good shot. Then after that, see where you're at and then recalibrate. Yeah, he is, right? And he can get by dudes. Like he's really jerky. The crossovers, the the hezzies, like all that stuff. He can do it. He's going to keep on improving with it. Something the Raptors really lacked is having a guard that can get by guys, Um, especially that can get downhill and can finish. That's something that you look at this team and you're like, you know, like Goron is great at it, but he's also 35 at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and Fred Van Vliet hasn't been in, like you said, he's not going to grow. Um, yeah. but then you touch Malachi and you're like, okay, okay. There's something here. Cause he does have the ability. He does have the momentum when he goes downhill and he's, he's a good finisher. Fred even said that he's a, he was a better offensive player than he was at that age. So yeah. take that for what it is. People, you got Fred Van Vliet and Fred Van Vliet is saying that he was better than he was at 22. So very excited for Malachi. I want to see him do great things. Uh, Precious, we're going to talk about him tomorrow, but another guy that is really going to fit into that, that bench mob that we're trying to create. Um, I think they're going to have a great two-man game. They already had a little bit of that in summer league. I'm excited to see what they're able to, to grow and, and do. Quick trivia for you, Amon, while we're here. Um, I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah. I didn't tell you I was going to do this. Who are the other eight players that have won player rookie, rookie of the month as Raptors? There's eight guys outside of Malachi. Eight players that have won Rookie of the Month as Raptors. Okay. Vince Carter. Yes. Tracy McGrady. No. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, uh-huh. I guess. There's a couple of guys um, I, I thought, wow, they didn't win, really. Chris Bosch. No, that was the other guy I thought that would have won it. But, I mean, he was in that year, Chris right? Chris McGrady, I kind of understood, but Chris Bosch. Okay. I mean, LeBron, Martin Carmelo, Rosen. D. Wade. Uh, no. What is happening at Davis? No, you got to go a bit archaic. <laughs> with the Raptors Judas? Yes. He was the, actually the, the last okay. person outside of Malachi to win it. It was, uh, in 2013. So I don't have to even mention Terrence Ross. Okay. So we got yeah. Jonas Valanciunas. We got Malik. I'm not counting Malachi. Fence. We got Jonas Valanciunas and we got Vince Carter. Those are my only two at the moment. Yes. Jesus Christ. Um, I'll give you another okay. minute or so. Alvin Williams? No. Mo Pete? No. Are these like names that have stayed with the Raptors for? Am I looking at undrafted guys or am I looking at like first round picks? Yeah. I'll give you some 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 uh, some hints. All right. So think early days, inaugural season, those kind of years. Okay. And um, um, think bigs. Think big. Damon Stoudemire. Yes. I should have started with that. That was stupid for me to start in 97. Um, Marcus Camby. Yes. Okay. Here Marcus Camby, Damon Stoudemire, Vince Carter. Um, JV. Jonas Valanciunas. And are there any undrafted guys? Uh, yes. Was it There's Calder? one. No. Fred Van Vliet? No. Oh, you said Jonas was the last one. Yeah. Um, huh. Those are my two... Okay, I'm going to skip that one. I'm going to be very embarrassed when I don't get this. Um, what years am I looking at? Give me like a, a, yeah. a, a year range. <laughs> We're going to move on because I don't want to take up too much time with this one. But uh, Charlie what are V. They? Charlie Who? V. I was going to say Charlie Villanueva. Yeah. Jorge Garbosa. Ah, had that Jorge? on and then I went to undrafted. Jorge Garbosa. Oh, I didn't think about Jorge. Yeah, Bargs, unfortunately. And uh, Jamario Moon. 
He was the undrafted guy. Never remembered that Jamario Moon won rookie <laughs> of the month. That would have ne- the Raptors were so bad then. What were they doing? Uh, but I'm mad, I'm mad at the Charlie Villanueva one. That's the one. That's the one I should have said. Yeah, that was a tough one actually. Um, no, I had it, but I was like undrafted maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so that's uh, that's our, our boy Red Van Vliet. Finally closing up the podcast. Let's finish up with Svi. Actually, said his name wrong earlier. Svi Mikhailuk. That's what it is. That's how you say Mikhailuk. I had it uh, phonetically spelled here, but I didn't look at it. So Svi Mikhailuk, what are your uh, thoughts on him? What have you looked at? How is he going to contribute to the Raptors? Or is he really just going to be Matt Thomas 2.0? I think that's kind of like the role that he's meant to be taking. Um, But looking at his numbers, he hasn't shot all that well from deep in the NBA. Um, it was something that he was projected to be this three-point specialist coming in here, but he is taller than Matt Thomas. Like part of the, the difficulty with Matt Thomas is when you're so small, it's difficult to yeah. get your shot off. Um, but Svi has size, so that's going to be something that's interesting. Um, he does take a lot of threes, so he's going to continue to do that, which is something that the Raptors are going to need. He's going to fit in as a, that 14th man spot who's going to come in and, and put up, jack up some shots when he's in the game. And that's cool. That's kind of what it is, right? It's not much more to say about it because he is a bit of a defensive liability. That's why I said Matt Thomas 2.0. And we know that Matt, uh, that Nick Nurse does not tolerate that, right? Because if you don't play defense, you're not really going to play. But he does have a bit more size at 6'5". Um, he's over 200 pounds. So um, and also, he's, you know, a quick trigger three-point shooter. Um, there's going to be those nights that we talked about where no one gonna be able to, is going to be able to make a shot. Maybe he pops in, hits two threes, and just like Matt Thomas did in a couple of games, and yeah. uh, the fan base he's is going to be like, hey, play him 99%. more. He's not 99%. Let me just say that, guys. Uh, no, but no. you know what? He, His he stroke was is pretty projected though. to be. Yeah, he, when he was projected to yeah. be when he the NBA. So maybe coming into a stable situation on a on a hopefully good and competitive team will, will help with that. Maybe that's it for, for Svi. Um, not to cut it too short, but um, we just got to see how things go for him. He does, uh, he's contracts guaranteed this year. He has a player option next year. So he is going to be on the roster, it seems like. Um, and that's kind of his deal. So get used to Svi, right? Uh, closing thoughts. Anything uh, coming to mind or shall we just proceed? I think we're good. I think the Raptors are going to be a fairly good team. I think they're going to be more competitive than a lot of people are expecting them to be. Yeah. Um, but it should be a really interesting year. The first time that I think anything could happen since maybe Kyle Lowry's entrance into Toronto. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you look at their playoff history over the past, like five, six years, or I mean, during the Kyle Lowry era, like last year was the only year that they didn't make the playoffs. Right outside of that 2013, I believe they didn't uh, make it either. Um, but they've been, you know, second round pretty consistently, and then also a little bit further. So let's see how things go. The East is going to be very competitive. We're going to see how the 76ers do and what, how they figure out their situation because if Ben's not playing, that changes things quite a bit for them. But uh, Aman, thank you for joining me um, on this episode of the Raptors Over Everything podcast. We're going to talk to you again, and I will talk to you tomorrow Bye. when we uh, preview the rest of the. There we go, dishes and dimes. Show off that shirt. That's nice. I gotta get me a hoodie. Get me a hoodie. Dishes and dimes hoodie. It's pretty. All right. Bye, y'all. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. 
One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. 